Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. We all refreshed. We all ready to go. It's off the bye week time on one giant step and a look ahead to the final nine game stretch and specifically the Houston Texans fresh off an ATV ride of his own is Paul Dettino, my co-host. I'm Sean Morris. Paul, hello. How are you? Good morning, Sean. Very well rested and happy to report today as we tape this on a Thursday. It is a very rare Thursday off for the Giants as they altered their schedule coming out of the bye. Well, that's interesting. Is that going to be a permanent thing or just for one week? Just for this week. He brought the guys back on Monday. They didn't practice until Tuesday and Wednesday. Gave them off Thursday as they could kind of recover from what would be a lot of soreness after 48 hours of physical activity. And then they'll get back to work on Friday, followed by a walkthrough on Saturday. I don't hate that. And again, you know, this is going to be interesting and we're going to get into all the parameters of this. So Brian Dable coming off a bye. We always have heard about other guys' records off bye weeks. So I'm going to see interested in how the team responds, you know, a game that they should win. And we'll get into all of that. So, Paul, first, forget forget the team for a second. Your bye week Sunday, was it consumed with football? Have you recharged and refreshed at all? You know what, Sean? I had a college game to do on Saturday, so it was kind of like a football weekend anyway. There wasn't a lot of different variations to it. Uh, And then on Sunday, uh, you know, like all of us, we wound up getting glued to the games that were on TV anyway, because that's what we do. And great games, too. It was a great slate all around. I was into it. Uh, at least that early slate was unbelievable. The Jets have their upset and everything that goes with it. But it was missed. I mean, the Giants were missed on Sunday. And I'm so glad to have them back. May I add to you, Sean, getting the chance to watch the full slate of games, and, and I was going all over the place. I must have watched at least four or five different uh, sections mm-hmm. of different games. I think the National Football League officials are letting a lot more go in the secondary than, than what we have seen in recent years. There's a lot of clutching and grabbing and, quote, incidental contact that's not getting flagged for defensive pass interference. It was very obvious to me on Sunday. In fact, even yeah. Josh Allen's last-minute bomb against the Jets that could have changed the outcome of that game, you saw the tugging of the jersey going on. and there's Yeah, no I ball. mean, Gabe Davis was pushing off a little as well. They are letting more go, except if you're running a pick play, in which case the Giants get flagged for every single one of those throughout <laughs> the year. Uh, that. And by the way, you know, it's funny you say that, because I have NFL Sunday ticket, and I try to watch as many of the games as possible, and I do the same thing. I bounce around. I'm more of a fan of that than the NFL Red Zone. Let me tell you this, Paul, too. Something that I was convinced only the Giants have been called for constantly all year is happening all over. You may say they're letting everything go in the secondary. 
every week, every game is getting more and more. I feel like a legal formation yes. with the taboo penalty this year. I don't know. Yes. I don't know if offenses are becoming so much more complex that either, you know, guys are having trouble getting set or maybe the refs are having trouble keeping up with what's legal and what's not. But every time I'm watching a game, I think it's only the Giants. It's not. There's a million illegal formations called all over the place. I agree with you. I think that's the other trend that I have noticed throughout the first couple of months of the season. And you're right in that I have not been able to identify why that's happening. Is it the fact that the refs are confused and they're not sure and they're just throwing the laundry? Is it that the players are confused? Is it that the formations are really illegal? Uh, at some point in time, maybe after the season's over, somebody from the league will address this at the league meetings and will be able to understand exactly how this trend came about. But it's it's very obvious, and, and I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Okay. And on that note, into Giants football, Paul, obviously the biggest story around the Giants is what happened to Xavier McKinney on the bye week. And before we actually, I guess, go full bore into the ramifications of the team, let me just say this. I don't like that this has become almost like a, a whose side are you on either or scenario with the Giants fan base. It feels like you're either very supportive of, hey, McKinney made a mistake, guys could do whatever they want on the buy, or basically trial by fire on McKinney because how dare he put the team in that position. I don't know, Paul. I mean, from my perspective, I look at it this way. Xavier McKinney is such an important part of the team that part of the disappointment is – we, we don't want to push him out of town, run him out of town with all of this because you want him to be healthy. You want the best from this. Clearly seems like it may be a little worse than even we thought by the by, by the basic Instagram post. And on the same time, you know, guys should be allowed to go away and do what they want. But I think we all are at an age where we understand, you know, ATVs are ATVs because the, the fear of danger is part of the experience with it where I would prefer the guy not do that and do more sitting by the pool and beach than that kind of excursion. Yeah, I, I think to be honest with you, the FBI or CIA type inquisition that the writers put on him in front of his locker the other day was way overboard and unwarranted. Uh, in my opinion, I look at the guy's track record during his tenure with the team, and I see someone who's been a pro's pro, been of exemplary every step of the way since he came out of school and became a giant. And so in this particular case, was he a little more reckless than you would have liked? Uh, potentially. Again, without knowing, none of us were there, so we don't know exactly what went down. But I do think you, you as a coach, you always tell your players when they go away, hey, guys, be smart, be careful, use good judgment. And I, I'm not in a position to say he was reckless or not, but if he was a bit reckless, let's just hope that that's a one-off and it doesn't happen again. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It's not like he has a track record of being, you know, defiant, being, you know, a thrill seeker. And by the way, there was that, you know, Instagram post of Jihad Ward, you know, doing a wheelie on the ATV. That's being a little reckless. Uh, that popped up that he did that on the bye week as well. I mean, maybe this stuff happens more and we just don't see it because we're away for the bye. But when an injury happens like that, I'm so, you can't help but feel a little bit annoyed. Now, it doesn't mean, again, you have to hate Xavier McKinney and think he's a, you know some kind of cancer to the team because he's not, but it's okay to be annoyed because, Paul, this is the way I look at it. I think you and I, we follow the Giants very closely to so many of our listeners. I think if you are a smart enough Giant fan to follow the team, 
You could probably make the case if you had to pick three guys that this specific version of the Giants could ill afford to lose for a lengthy period of time. I'm sorry. I think Xavier McKinney is one of them. Clearly, Andrew Thomas is another. I'd make the case both of those guys, even over Daniel Jones, since you have a Tyrod Taylor on the team. I mean, he is the captain. I mean, the, the ultimate chess piece with Wink Martindale. The fact of the matter is, this is going to be a big deal on the field. And I, I know Wink will do his best, and I'm sure they have pieces. Uh, you know, Dane Belton will get more experience. I'm interested in what happens with Pinnock and all of that, and they will find a way, and maybe they'll beat the bad teams. But it's hard to tell me that this won't be some kind of a big deal for the Giants on the back end. Actually, I see it exactly the opposite, Sean. Okay. Uh, from looking at from looking at this team, while I think McKinney is a Pro Bowl caliber player, I look at the Giants' depth chart, and I look at what they can put in there, and I look at the combinations that they can run with the kind of matchups that they use with Wink Martindale's very complex and always altering scheme. And I don't think it's that devastating of a loss, especially at this particular time against two weaker teams on their schedule. Now, if you want to talk to me in three weeks about how they're playing Dallas and Washington and they don't have one of their key co-captains, I buy it a little bit more at that time. But the truth of the matter is – yeah. I mean, as you said, that that is part of it. Yes, we understand the next two games. I, the way McKinney's talking, and I don't know because I'm not at the facility. Clearly, this is multiple fingers. They put him on this NFI list. I'm, am I wrong? I mean, I got the vibe. This is probably more than these four weeks here. Mm, hard to say. I, I, I talked to McKinney myself uh, away from the crowd, and he's very optimistic about being able to play again this season. What timetable? It all depends on how quickly he heals. He had two fingers that he had to have surgery on, broken bones, obviously. Uh, He's got a plastic cast on his hand. Now, does that mean four weeks? Does it mean five? Does it mean six? Look, I don't know. But here's what I do know. We've talked about Dane Belton before. He is one hell of an accomplished and mature rookie. And Wink Martindale thinks the world of him. We, We also know that they've got Landon Collins and they've got Jason Pinnock. They've got enough of things they can do schematically. I believe in Wink, and I just don't think this is going to be on the field quite as big a loss as some people think, especially since Julian Love gets the green dot. And as I've said before, it's time to stop calling him duct tape. He is a damn good free safety. He's a smart player. and, And to be frank with you, the beauty of this is he is the deep safety. Remember, X, or Xavier McKinney, if you prefer, is more of the strong safety type who they do other things with in the box. Well, that's good because that's what Pinnock and Collins and Dane Belton can do. Those other three guys are not as adept to be playing the deep free safety center field type position that Love does. So I would maintain to you that they'd be worse off if Love was out of the lineup instead of McKinney.